Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It feels good, man. It feels good, right? Yo, yo, I'm in the light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome back to Small Market Bias. My name is Matthew Tynan. Uh, joining me again today is someone who uh, I think is finally excited to start watching some FIBA World Cup. Now that the games matter, now that things are important, it's it's basically do or die. Bruno Passos, I actually have two quick questions for you. Number one, what is your strategy going into this? Because A, you have a normal human adult male job, adult human job, forget adult male um you have i don't know why i i specified male but i did um females have <laughs> job too weird <laughs> it makes it sound a little untoward when you say it that it way does. but it is no. just a standard job that could be given to you know person of any uh gender denomination affiliation please forget everything i just said uh except for the actual question you have a job you have two young children one of whom is what three months old three months do i have that no one and a half yeah, six weeks. Six weeks. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, even younger. So you have a lot of responsibilities uh, on top of having to, or just without having to worry about waking up first thing in the morning to watch basketball. So do you have a strategy going forward for the knockout round starting on Tuesday morning? Uh, you know, up until now, I, I actually should have had a schedule that was conducive to catching some of these uh, you know, late middle of the night games. Uh, I've had, I have, a, as you mentioned, a, a very young baby that often requires being held up and I mm-hmm. could very easily just kind of have the laptop over and uh, check out some of these games at two, three in the morning. But instead I've been reaching for my Nintendo Switch and been, been uh, uh, annihilating Moblins and Lionels and, you know, various other creatures of Hyrule and uh, Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom, great game. Uh, but, uh, you know, hoping that's going to change now and actually going to pay a bit more attention to these games, which, uh, like, as you said, have not really yet, but uh, the action's heating up. It's a lot more interesting, and it's been, you know, really fun to watch. All the parody, lots of, uh, you know, familiar faces of the NBA, both uh, current and and former, as well as former faces from the Spurs. Uh, so a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of fun there, and... Um, no strategy aside from, you know, if, if I'm awake, if I'm able to catch one here and there and it aligns, you know, that's that's just that's serendipity. But it's not it's not yet to the point of um, mandatory viewing, unfortunately. Look, man, I think there comes a, a point in adulthood where, like, you just figure out a way to sneak in the gaming when you can. So um, I respect the middle of the night hustle, getting some Legend of Zelda in. Um, yeah, that said, you know, it could, could be building up towards a pretty fun final and I may have to actually carve out some time for it. So, uh, you know, we'll see how this the rest of this tournament shakes out. Well, it is going to be interesting. And I think we saw, uh, we're recording this Sunday night. Uh, earlier today, Sunday morning, we saw the United States go down. Um, one of the sort of criticisms of them, of them coming into the tournament was they would probably struggle with size. I think we saw that today against Lithuania, Jonas Valanciunas is someone who Spurs fans are intimately familiar with when it comes to beating up on on smaller lineups. So we saw it from the U.S. today. Um, they got pushed around a little bit. I know Kerr threw in some different lineups with Bobby Portis and even threw Walker Kessler in there. I'm not sure if it was in response to Lithuania, if he was preparing them to go forward with some bigger lineups because 
He prefers to go small, so that was a little bit out of the ordinary. But regardless, uh, we kind of saw a recipe. Like if you have some big men and you shoot lights out from three, which Lithuania did and Lithuania is perfectly capable of doing, like the United States can kind of run into trouble against that type of blueprint. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Valens Yunus gets um, is that the first name that sticks out. But you saw them just, you know, really taking guys into the post, crashing the offensive glass. Yeah. Um, we know that that's not a, a strong suit of Jaron Jackson Jr., who's obviously a key component for Team USA. So, um, you know, I think that was definitely part of their script going in. And um, it worked out, you know, as, as you mentioned, also, alongside some uh, some clutch shooting uh, from a handful of um, Lithuanians. But um, yeah, you know, not, not entirely surprising, but still, you, you know, Team USA, you expect them to be able to, you know, close out just like uh, Anthony Edwards said that they would uh, a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, that that quote, uh, I heard it in its entirety and it, it wasn't all that bad. It's, it's all funny games, but yeah, you're right. Offensive rebounds, I think Lithuania had like 18, at least 18 offensive rebounds in the game today. So We'll see. Um, there aren't that many great big men left in this tournament, but if the United States take care of business against Italy like they should, they're going up against Germany with Daniel Tice, uh, Mo Wagner, and if, if and who knows what happens with Lithuania on the other side. We've seen Canada be really good. Uh, we've also seen them susceptible uh, to some some droughts. Um, so... Yeah, this this really seems to be up in the air between, I guess, up in the air is the wrong term. Like United States is clearly favored and Canada is going to be close behind. But we've seen teams show that they're capable of of taking the, the favorites down so far in this tournament. So it's going to be fun to watch. Um, but we'll shift real quick because I have a question for you that is actually uh, NBA related going forward. So this is a good opportunity to remind you. That small market bias is bought to, brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. We got to add basketball to that now. I mean, I feel like this is an is old copy at this point. Come on, Bet Online. Bet. Sorry, I shouldn't reprimand at all. <laughs> bet Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And I have a little trivia question for you today, Bruno. Uh, Most improved player odds... Have come out. I mean, they've been out for a while, but they have since been updated in the last couple of days at Bet Online. So I ask you, who do you believe has the best odds at seven to one to win most improved player? I think, given certain context, this is probably obvious, but we'll see where you go with it. Oh, no. I'm extremely unintuitive. So whatever context you're alluding to is completely lost on me. Uh, assuming that it's not Sandro Mamukilishvili. Uh, if you don't, if one. you don't, if you don't get this, you you're you're gonna be disappointed. I would I would bet that. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, so context. Uh, generally, what you're nor- normally looking at, you're either second, third year players or the ones that uh, uh, that are kind of becoming, you know, um, close to household names, and then they like to include somewhere in the mix those guys who. Um, are ready to go from star to superstar. That's kind of the, the your, your two pools that you're often picking from. Starting just thinking generally speaking, 
No, no. Generally speaking, that's a good way to break down your, you know, if if this is something you want to bet on, like you want to find guys like that. To me, like last year, that answer was Anthony Edwards, but that certainly didn't pan out. But it's it's largely a good strategy when when betting on most improved player. Yeah. So I'm just thinking out loud, trying to buy myself time right now. Sure. Um, Filibuster. uh, It's a good strategy. Absolutely. Um, Ant would have been, um, I feel like, you know, not I, I would I I assume he'd probably be somewhere in in the long the long list um, just because people may, may not have sort of seen him as this like kind of super duper star yet and um, they kind of do uh, pay, kind of pencil those guys in but um, I'll go you know maybe I'll go with I'll I'll stick with the the, the FIBA route um, and uh, go with someone on Team USA who um, you can't avoid right now. Um, and I'm going to count on that as the context and say, uh, our boy, Hillbilly Kobe, Austin Rees. You nailed it. You nailed hey. I, I mean, I told you you'd be disappointed if you didn't get it. Well, I've seen, I, I have seen him, you know, further down in the show, in, in, in the show notes for today, but that is the only hint <laughs> I had for this. Look, we, 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 we've, we've all been Austin pilled right now. His name is in, impossible to escape. So you probably would have given me any sort of trivia question and, and he would have been uh, among my, my earliest guesses because you can't avoid him right now. He's everywhere. Yeah, you, you really can't. And get this, on July 12th, he was 14 to 1 to win the award. And as of August 31st, jumped all the way up to 7 to 1. So his his FIBA performance has really pushed him up the board uh, you know, whether he wins the award or not, who knows? I think there are a lot of candidates, a lot of good looking candidates this year. And uh, here, let me let me share the screen with you uh, so we can look at these odds together. OK, I think so I did that- have some of these other ones in my short list as well. So this is interesting to see. You want to read them off? Yeah, let's 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 we'll quickly read them off. Um, I'm not going to. OK, Austin, Reed, seven one, Mikhail Bridges, 15 to two, Jordan Poole, eight to one. Scotty Barnes, 10 to 1. Cade Cunningham, 16 to 1. Shaden Sharp, 18 to 1. I guess if he improves even the slightest, it'll be a, a major improvement. Um, Alperin Shingoon, who actually dropped over the last couple of weeks, which I find interesting. Jabari Smith Jr., 22 to 1. Evan Mobley, 25 to 1. I'm going to go all the way until we get Devin Vassell, by the way, because that's what we're going <laughs> to talk about. Josh Giddy, 30 to 1. Franz Wagner, 33 to 1. Ben Simmons. 33 to 1. Anthony Edwards, who was off the board in July, is now 35 to 1. Jalen Williams, uh, 40 to 1. Walker Kessler, 40 to 1. Desmond Bain, 40 to 1. Devin Vassell, who was 33 to 1 on July 12th, has dropped to 40 to 1. And Bruno, I think that's a pretty damn good bet. If you're a Spurs fan and you want to have a little extra skin in the game, 40 to 1 for Devin Vassell to win most improved player there are a lot there are going to be a lot more eyes on the Spurs this year I don't really blame anyone for missing Spurs games last year I don't really blame anyone for having missed Devin Vassell games last year considering he only played he played less than half the season but if this guy's healthy we've seen what he's capable of and 40 to 1 even even considering all the guys in front of him on the list, uh, those are pretty fun odds to consider. What did he do to drop from thirty three to forty? Soft season. Good question. <laughs> well, yeah, That's, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm like I'm looking at the. I, I know, right? Yeah, and I haven't. What, what, like, what do they What do they know? 
Yeah, it's it's a good question uh, because it, whatever well, if they know something that I'm not aware of, uh, it's that'll be uh, I, I guess if you're if you're looking at certain guys that may have jumped him, like uh let's see ben simmons going from 50 to 1 to 33 to 1 anthony edwards off the board to 35 to 1 but at the same time like yeah i don't, I don't really know how the, the odds work the, it's the ones that have gotten a content bump like through the summer yeah. right like we've seen edwards um take over the uh you know the, that sort of go-to role on team usa ben simmons did an interview where he said he's going to be good again yeah yep. um, love, love those uh, ben simmons interviews <laughs> Reeves has obviously been everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, those are the ones that I think you highlighted that um, have, have seen that jump. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's just sort of a shifting with there. But um, I, yeah, like you said, Vassell, 40 to 1. Um, you know, use, use some of that money. You saved uh, not buying the, uh, the, the $70,000 Victor Wembanyama uh, rookie card. <laughs> um and uh you know drop a few units on Vassell I I I I mean again 40 to 1 I think I said last time I was on that that's my kind of bet uh nice little long shot you just thought throw some money and forget about it uh and uh no that, that that's uh that's good value yeah it's a fun long shot bet here here's the only issue with Vassell and we'll see if that changes this year I, I don't know if he cares about winning most improved player or not but you you brought up these guys who have gotten these bumps. They've been in the news. They've said things, whatever. They've been on cameras. They've been on podcasts. Devin doesn't like doing media. He doesn't like attention. Um, the only times you ever hear from him, it feels like, are on like IG Live <laughs> or, or videos uh, on social media. But that's about it. He doesn't really like talking to the media. It's kind of like, uh, it, over the last couple of years, it's kind of been like pulling teeth to get him to do so. Um, so yeah, there's going to be more attention on the Spurs, but you know, if Devin Vassell isn't really putting himself in the spotlight that it's going to be difficult because that stuff does matter, uh, whether you like it or not, like in today's NBA world and today's, you know, NBA, you know, basketball consumption, uh, at the way we consume it at the levels that we do. You got to be a face out there. You got to be a voice out there. It really helps your cause. We, you know, Austin Reeves is going to talk to the media all the time, partially because he's in LA and, and, and it's kind of when you're out in the big markets, um, when you're requested, it's kind of your duty to speak to people for the most part. And he doesn't mind talking to people. He doesn't mind going on podcasts. He doesn't mind being in front of a camera. So we'll see if, we'll see if that kind of stuff matters for Devin Vassell. Um, but like you said, 40 to one, that's a pretty fun, uh, you know, throw 10 bucks at it, see what happens. It could be a nice little reward at the end of the season because he's certainly capable of reaching a point where most improved player is, uh, is a legitimate reality. We will see. And to, to your point about exposure, you know, there's the national TV games that the Spurs are going to be back on yep. next year. Definitely going to be getting that, you know, could could be that uh, uh, 1B um, uh, kind of two-man game guy with, with Victor Wembanyama. And then, we, you know, we, we knew coming into the league that he had that defensive upside that he still hasn't really quite been able to fulfill, largely because of, you know, still taking on larger roles on offense. Maybe he's able to find a better balance and, and you know, get that bit of reputation back. So, no. I think 
I, I definitely don't hate it. Not my least favorite name on the board at all. Which uh, you know, and I, I really that, think that, that would be Shaden Sharp. <laughs> yeah. See, like I, I, I don't really. I mean, those those odds seem short for Shaden Sharp. Like that doesn't seem like a fun bet to make. But regardless, maybe he does. I, we he can jump very high, and he's very exciting. Um, if he can turn into a real NBA player in year two, uh, there could be a, a real leap there. That'd be an improvement. You know. You talked about Devin's defense. I really feel like the injury affected him defensively um, early last season. When he came back, yeah, he was limited. He had he he was uh, he didn't see a bunch of court time. There was a bunch of rest. He had load management, all this stuff. And then by the end of the year, they just sat him. But he seemed to have some bounce when he came back. Like there was much more of a presence from him in terms of like recovering and. Uh, pinning shots against the backboard or chase down defensive efforts, steals, blocks, whatever it might be. So if he's able, I don't know how good he's going to be as an on-ball defender. I, it, yeah. it felt like he really struggled in that department last year in terms of his lateral quickness. But he's a long, rangy dude who can recover well. Um, he's got the tools. He's got the length, all that stuff. He's got the IQ. So, you know, that would just be an added layer to an offensive game that should become more and more efficient, um, both with health, with improved strength, and just general improvement as a basketball player. So yeah, I think it's a, I think there's a really good chance that yeah, big year, big year for him, big year for him. Yeah, we will see. Um, you know, you you brought up Austin Reeves. I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, there's been a couple of of things in the news over the last week, week and a half um, that that have sort of brought the Spurs into the conversation. I don't want to keep talking about the Austin Reeves stuff and whether or not the, the Spurs were in line to sign him, why they didn't make an offer, whether those reports sort of made sense that they didn't want to offer him a max deal. Um, but... I bring that up. I say I don't want to talk about it, but the reason I bring it up is because it kind of feeds into it kind of fed into another story, at least in my mind, that popped up last week. Uh, Tanya Ganguly of the New York Times had a piece on Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was quoted essentially as saying, like, basically that he wants to make sure that he and the team are on the same page when it comes to pursuing a title. And that he's not going to sign an extension this year because it just doesn't make sense for him to do so if he's uncertain about where his career is going to be going in Milwaukee going forward. I'm not a big, I've never been a big fan of just this pouncing on, you know, whenever you hear a quote like that from a player who's under contract with another team who's incredibly important to that team, incredibly valuable and has and loyal to that city. I'm not a big fan of pouncing on the idea, but uh, about the idea of them potentially moving, becoming a free agent, uh, entering the trade market, demanding a trade, whatever. And Giannis doesn't really seem like the kind of guy to, you know, really blow things up or make things uncomfortable in a trade demand. But when you look at the Bucks, and, and we're, I say, I don't want to pounce on Bucks. it, but here we go. We're going to talk about it. The, when you look at the Bucks, man, there's a real concern when you just look at them on paper and you look at the age of all the guys that are playing around Giannis and, and how much money they're making. 
Drew Holiday is is closing in on his mid thirties. Uh, Chris Middleton is thirty two, I believe. Brooke Lopez is thirty five, I think. Uh, these are their mo- these these are their highest paid players, along with Giannis. The rest of the roster is essentially fillers, uh, and we've even heard Drew Holiday hint that he might retire after his contract is over after next season. And so when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks right now, you have to, if you're a Bucks fan, if you're Bucks brass, whoever it might be, there has to be real concern that you're going to, that you have a plan that is viable in terms of quickly building a title contender around Giannis moving forward. Like, sure, they're going to be in the conversation next year. As long as they're healthy, they're going to be in that conversation. They're going to have just as good a chance as anybody, if not maybe close to as good a chance as anybody, to win the title. But beyond that, it's murky. And you look at what the Spurs have been doing, we kind of have wondered, like, why didn't they go all in and trade up in maybe last year's draft, uh, certainly this past draft, when after acquiring all those assets from Atlanta following the 2022 draft, they're they're clearly being patient, waiting for something to happen. Are they waiting for the big fish? Like this is this doesn't seem like a Spurs move, but at the same time, it's Giannis. He's 28. He'll be 29 next year. Uh, I can't believe he's been in the league for 10 years already, but we're here. I don't know. To me, uh, it, while it might not be the Spursiest thing in the world, I do think that there's a real chance that what the Spurs are doing is holding off to see what transpires with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, obviously, they have other plans, but that one certainly has to be in their mind considering all the assets they have, the young talent they would be able to offer. It just it makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely a story that raised eyebrows, uh, set up a lot of other um, aggregations and stories uh, to discuss it. Um, And, you know, with good reason, that team is that roster is really kind of aging um, around Giannis, including that that core that um, that won the title. Um, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, I think, are 32 and 33. Brooke Lopez, who re-signed is, I think, um, you know, uh, high 30s. Some, somewhere there, uh, if I'm not mistaken. 35, um, I think. 35, okay. Um, and there's not much um, in terms of an undercurrent of, of, of you, know, m- you know, meaningful youth um, that, that um, he can count on. So, um, you know, I saw that and, you know, you, you, you split your possibilities into, well, he either gets his way out or um, they use what um, talent and assets they have to, to make that move and bring somebody else in. And I, I, I think that, it's really the latter that we're probably going to end up seeing here. The, the, the Bucks have shown that they're um, willing to shake things up. They, they, they dismissed Bud um, um, as a coach. So, you know, they're, they're not going to just rest on their laurels and be happy being a, um, a team that you pencil in as a conference um, finalist. Um, so I think they're, they're, they're going to be open to that. And I wouldn't be surprised if you do see something, if this team doesn't kind of go back to you know it, it's it's perch as as you know one of the best teams if not the best team in the east um but like you said it's still it's still early but it's never too early to speculate um and i appreciate you um you know uh keeping in mind your your fellow small market uh uh in mind in milwaukee not immediately That's right. um uh, surmising but um yeah from the spurs point of view uh sorry go ahead. 
No, I just said I told you I empathize with everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's and, your and, weakness. And, I'm not a killer. Yeah. But, but you know, you're small market bias, so you're, that, you're biased towards that. That's exactly um, right. Where's Mil- uh, shout out Milwaukee. Um, uh, but, you know, from the Spurs point of view, they have amassed all these assets. And um, whether or not Giannis is the play, um, or anyone else that kind of comes through as, as, a, as a possibility in the next year. Um, you have to hope that at least that is, um, you know, in, their, um, in, in, in how they're gaming things out with everything um, in the next few years. That, that, that really has to be the hope um, because, uh, you know, now that Victor's here, the, the clock doesn't start early enough with, as far as, you know, building, building that, that, that contender. You obviously don't rush into it, but you need to start, you know, checking out your moves and seeing what's what's on the board and 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 strategizing accordingly and you've got the pieces for it with all those assets. Let me be a let me play devil's advocate for a second here. Uh it would not be a Matthew Tynan podcast or newsletter without being some something of a wet blanket. Do do you have like there this is going to be one of those situations where unless something crazy happens next year with Giannis uh health-wise this isn't going to be, I don't think, unless Giannis makes a, a public uh, announcement that he's not going to sign with a team. If we're, if we're talking about the potential of a trade, that he's not going to sign with the team who trades for him, something like that. Um, it's not going to be a Kawhi situation where everyone knew, no matter where he went, he was trying to get to Southern California. So there should be even though even with an expiring contract after the uh 2000 i think after not this upcoming season but the season after that will be his expiring year uh we're we're talking about a situation where there are going to be plenty of suitors you would think even considering the expiring contract it is going to cost a ton to get this guy and my question is do you have any concerns for someone who's who's getting close to 30 who is a decade into the league over the, and who over the last 4 seasons has not played more than 67 games in a season and 3 of those 4 seasons are like 61 games, 63 games, 61 games, something like that, like low 60s. He's had some knee issues in recent years. We've seen some back stuff. He had a, a procedure on his knee this summer to clean things up. When you talk about players who rely so heavily on their physicality, on their athleticism, and don't have a jump shot, this guy is not a good three-point shooter. He is not a good free-throw shooter. Like, is there any concern on your end that Milwaukee is going to come out and say, we want a Kevin Durant deal? Like, we want... We want not just picks, like four picks. We want talent. And you're going to have to, I mean, unless they the Spurs really cut out a whole bunch of their expiring, you know, their one-year deals, their short deals over the, over the next uh, year or next summer, I should say. Like, they're not going to be able to absorb the uh, giant contract that Giannis has the way they may have been able to over the last couple of years, like they're going to have to get rid of talent. They're going to have to get rid of contracts. And certainly the bucks are going to want talent in return. So if you're looking at a situation where Milwaukee wants to take four picks or like four first round picks, let's say, and at, at least two young star prospects, like 
is there any hesitancy to do so considering like maybe there's a chance that over the next few years that Giannis starts to experience some sort of troubling health issues. I, I know that's, again, I know that's, uh, I tend to be conservative or like precautious when I start to think about what I do, but look, man, we've seen it in the past with guys who, who rely, like I said, on their athleticism and physicality and don't have an outside jumper. We've seen it go downhill really quickly. And as special as Giannis is, is he LeBron? He's never had the shot that LeBron has. I don't, I don't doubt his discipline in terms of working on his body. Like we know, we know what he is from that standpoint, but um, injuries can get to anybody. So in terms of like mortgaging your future and yes, the Spurs have a whole bunch of picks that they'd still have in the coffers. It wouldn't be the end of the world necessarily, but it still has to at least bring on a little bit of a hesitation when you're talking, when you're talking about sending a gigantic trade package for a guy who's closing in on his 30th birthday. Yeah. And there's, there's a trap in which you kind of overthink this and overvalue your guys. Like obviously, right. Like that happens all the time. There's like, I don't even know what was actually um, substantiated, but the Lakers, you know, not, not wanting to trade Taylor and Horton Tucker or whatever back in the day. Right. There is, there is a, there is, and I, I obviously don't know what actually happened, but I assume there was some flavor of that, at least in negotiations. But hey, we're seeing over- it right now with OG Ananobi in Toronto. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's always those situations, and some age worse than others. Probably some have aged okay that I don't, don't immediately come to mind. Um, and so, you know, you have to strike that balance. At the, at the end of the day, Giannis is an elite talent, the, the kind that you are going to be hard pressed to mine for with. Uh, all of the picks you have combined. So you have to think about it. You have to look at it. But, um, you know, I was looking at how many minutes uh, he's logged so far in his career and he's, he's getting up there. He's uh, yeah. 20, um, uh, what is he? 23, 24,000, something like that. And you look at the other players in that mix. Um, some are, you know, big names, familiar names as well. And, and, but they're, they're not, they're also, you know, and Giannis is a, a, a talent of his own, but they're not guys you're going to, you know, um, you know, sell, you know, whatever the, the, the term is, bet, bet the farm on sell, sell, sell everything sure. for remortgage uh, your future on. Uh, so, you know, you, you strike that balance and you have to be at least a little concerned, a little squeamish. Um, but, um, you know, when this happens, you're going to have a better idea of what Victor is. You're going to have a better idea of what your whole roster is. Um, and um, I, I imagine you shouldn't be taking it off the board, but um, it's not something where you look at the name and you think about a year or two out and you're just like, yes, whenever the time comes, you're, you're going to go after it. Because it's like you said, his, his game is not the type that's going to age well, um, at least not right now. And it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that jumper suddenly, you know, surfacing. It's probably going to be these other little tweaks to his game that he's going to, you know, incorporate to, um, you know, make, make it age better. Um, so you don't want to discount that. But, you know, he's, I, I don't I don't you don't see him becoming Clay Thompson anytime soon. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I think he's not, you know, one of those, uh, you know, trade what, throw everything you can at, into an offer like a Kevin Durant deal, um, without hesitating. Um, but, um, you, you, you can, you know, at least pencil it in as a possibility and you, you look at, um, all your assets and, um, it's, you know, it, it speaks to a fun position that the Spurs are in that that's at least a conversation that they're going to have internally and that we're going to have externally, you know, in, in, in a year and two years time. Yeah, you're right. It's it, this is not something that's imminent, but it is going to be sort of uh 
an entertaining side story, much as like as, as many Spurs fans are watching teams like Atlanta and rooting for them to fail because they want their picks. They're looking at Chicago. They're looking at Toronto, like these little side stories that uh, Spurs fans can sort of keep their <laughs> their eyes on. They're watching for the shortcomings of others while enjoying their own team. It's a good it's a pretty good place to be yeah. in as and, a fan. And- and don't don't let don't not have fun with it, and don't you know at least for a second imagine uh, the rim pressure that a Giannis Victor uh, duo would put on opponents. Yeah. They're not a perfect fit, perhaps you know in some ways. You want more spacing, you want a little bit more whatever on ball creation and, and clutch shooting, whatever. But the 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 chaos that you know Giannis driving downhill, Victor you know flanking him, or um, you know a pick and pop gain potentially, or whatever. There's just some hilarious like comical like things to imagine with the two of them so uh, and not you know, to let, mention let, the de- not to mention the defensive not side of the to ball. mention the defensive it's, side which especially makes- if they'd be if there was a transaction and they'd be able to hang on to jeremy sohan although you talk about spacing issues there would be some <laughs> serious spacing, Look, spacing sh- issues shooting is overrated when you can go whatever 90 percent from two who cares about right. the three ball um right. you just throw limbs at, at the basket and um uh, see what happens. Yeah, no. Obviously, the defensive side. You'd potentially have, you know, t- two of the top three, top five defenders in the league, longest, best. So, um, I think sp- fans, you know, and all this before, you know, getting a little bit too cynical and and over analytical. You know, have some fun imagining it, and then and then move on. Yep, totally agree. And and what you said uh, a second ago is important to remember. Like the Spurs, we we can talk about this right now. We can throw out all the hypotheticals. Uh, but the Spurs are going to know a lot more about what they have with this team, with, with Victor, with Devin, uh, with Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, Malachi Branham, like the, the whole nine. Um, they're going to have a much better idea of what it is they're working with after this upcoming season. Yeah. And at that point, and they're also, you know, uh, you would think at least even though the NBA can change very quickly on a year to year basis, but they're, they're still, going to have a slightly better idea of what they might be working with in terms of the Toronto pick, in terms of the Atlanta picks, in terms of the Chicago picks, even the Charlotte picks. Like, obviously, they're going to know more about how that future might play out. So, um, yeah, we can we can kind of look at this from afar, monitor it from afar. I do think that there's a real chance that he's going to be made available um, at some point a year from now, maybe a little bit more than a year from now. They're going to try to hold on like hell. They're going to try to do what they can to to rearrange the deck and try to put a championship contender around Giannis, but man, there's a lot of old dudes on that team. They don't have they don't really have a lot of picks. Um th- the picks they do have are not going to be very good because they're going to be a good team. It's it's uh certainly not out of the question. I think it's it's much more likely than than some in Milwaukee might be willing to admit, but we'll see. Like we said, monitor it from afar. Enjoy all these little side these little side pieces to your to your Spurs entree uh this upcoming season. So, all right. Uh we're going to take a quick break and get to some mailbag questions. Okay, we're back. It is time to answer some questions. Uh, Bruno, 
this um, um first of all i'm always happy that that people are out here sending in questions especially this time of the year like there are a lot of y'all who are kind of doing your own thing you're getting back to school maybe taking last second vacations uh not thinking about basketball so i really appreciate you guys contributing to the show you guys and gals for contributing to the show um once again this one's from john lugo he asks i don't expect mamu Sandro Mamukelishvili to be the second coming of Laurie Marketing. But is there anything in his FIBA play that makes you think he can be more productive in the coming year? Um, you know, one of the things that benefits Spurs players, and it's not like these guys who are already familiar with the international game, uh, you know, these guys, some of these guys are already familiar with the international game. So maybe it's not quite the same experience for them as it is for the United States born players, the guys who grew up playing here in this country rather than overseas. But at the same time, the Spurs play a, 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 an international style. They always have, or at least they sort of have an international mind, a mindset pop RC. These guys have long valued players coming from international systems. So in my eyes, at least, any continuation of that style of basketball is going to help anyone coming back to San Antonio to, to play the style that Pop and company want to play. So, like, sure, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't hurt. And I think it probably helps Spurs players more than it does maybe players from a lot of other teams in the NBA who who do things a little differently than they do in San Antonio. That at least it just kind of makes sense to me in that capacity. Yeah, definitely a bump, right? Uh, you'd rather see it than not. Um, but, you know, like you said, there's a lot of players that do excel in those um, international environments, find uh, just um, maybe different roles on teams and um, and and just really shine. Uh, shout out to uh, Jordan, the, the kingdom of Jordan's, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, you know, how, what the, how that transfers to, you know, a specific role on a team like the Spurs where he's going to need to see kind of how he fits, um, either, you know, in some way around Victor Wembanyama or just within a, a defined role and how he brings a lot of those, you know, really fun skills to, um, a way that, uh, kind of translates to, to winning basketball. That's the kind of fun part to see. So, um, definitely has a possible, the potential and now, um, he's got a little bit more of a, a, of a wave to ride with the, with the FIBA play to, to try and, you know, make good on it. Yeah, and it's a good point that you make uh, about Wemby because, like, when you look at at Mamu's game, especially as it pertains to you know how he fits around Victor, he's going to have to be able to pass. He's going to have to be able to move without the ball. He's going to have to cut. He's going to ha- he's going to have to up that three point percentage to a whatever. Like, if it's you know mid thirties, mid to upper thirties at a consistent rate, like that would be incredible. Uh, we haven't seen him do that consistently yet, but he has been pushing that mid thirties number. So it's entirely possible, but everything that you're asked to do in the international game is something you're going to have to do both in the Spurs system. And uh, you're going to have to play that way around Wembanyama, who obviously is also very familiar with the international game. Jeremy Sohan is familiar with the international game. Lest we forget Keldon Johnson was on the Olympic team in Tokyo. Uh, you know, these are guys who have uh, CD Sissoko familiar with the international game. So, um, you know, this uh, we're, we're looking at a situation where it can do nothing but help 
um, especially as as these guys get back to training camp once their uh, FIBA obligations are done, which is right around the corner. And they'll be in the gym long before that. So none of this hurts. It can only help. And we'll see what uh we'll see what Sandro is is able to make out of it going into next season. So, uh, do you have anything else on that one? No, played well, stayed healthy. No, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. That's that that's through. important too, right? Staying healthy. Yeah. That that one's important. All right, this next one um is from Brian Kratz and I, Bruno, are you a cord, are you a cord cutter? Yes. Yes. Increasingly okay. so as, as the family gets a little bit bigger. Sure. So how did, did you pay for the Bally sports service last year? The, the Bally sports streaming service? Um, I did not. No. Am, am I allowed to ask how you were able to watch Spurs games uh, that you were not in attendance for? Uh, is Adam Silver watching this? Um you know, you find your means. I'm not saying I dive exactly into the dark web, but uh, I've got a few sites. Uh, obviously, uh, um, uh, attending as many home games as possible, um, and then it's uh, you know it's those ones on the on, on the road that um, you know you, you, have, you have your ways. Don't be the speech well, phone, you, DM me. Yeah, you might uh you might have to offer Brian Kratz some advice in that case because he asks the question. What is what are the best streaming services to watch the Spurs on this season? I cut the cord and I'm considering YouTube or Hulu. I'm located in Austin, so blackouts may apply? Question mark. Thoughts on League Pass? Question mark. VPN needed to avoid blackouts? Question mark. Okay. Can can we say first how ridiculous it is that the NBA in 2023 still has people in this position? Like yeah, I know. the product is like so hard to you know it's such a labyrinthine way to to find out how to just watch a game that you want to watch is it's just um it's 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 absurd that the product is still at this point yep totally agree blackouts are dumb um but unfortunately for brian you're if you've cut the cord first of all youtube and hulu uh or i should say neither youtube nor hulu carry bally sports so if you're cutting the cord and you're considering those two platforms or services or whatever you want to call them, the services would be the right terminology there. You're going to um, either ask Bruno for for um, a list of, of websites or you're going to have to pay for Bally Sports streaming service, which last year, and I don't know how much this has changed. I haven't checked. Uh, I apologize for that, but it was $20 a month last year. I, you know, the whole Bally sports situation right now is interesting. Um, as many may be are, are aware of, and I'm, I'm sure some perhaps aren't, but Bally sports filed for bankruptcy last spring. Um, but they're in, in their words, they're expecting teams. I think there are 15 teams that are under contract with Bally sports or that have reached an agreement with Bally sports. Um, and they expect teams to see those through. I spoke with someone who is safe to, about two months ago, um, and it is safe to say they are closely monitoring the situation at the time. And again, this is two months ago uh, when things were even more up in the air. But the expectation was that the Spurs were going to, at least for now, be following through with their agreement uh, with Bally. So... As far as I know, things haven't changed in that capacity. 
Um, there have been recent reports outlining the possibility that if things should fall apart with Bally uh, for those 15 teams that are uh, that are under contract with Bally, uh, if things were to fall apart amid this whole bankruptcy thing, um, that the NBA would work with teams to potentially go direct to consumer. Um, don't know what that looks like at this point. It doesn't sound like that's what's going to be happening with the Spurs this season, at least not early on. <laughs> I think this is something that everyone's going to have to follow going forward. I think it'll be interesting to see if anyone decides. To, I think it's a little bit late at this point, but it will be interesting to see if any other team follows the path of the Phoenix Suns who decided to break their agreement with Bally and go direct to consumer. It's a big move. It's risky move. Uh, they're probably, they're, they're going to be tied up with some legal stuff with Bally for sure. Um, it's going to cost them money. Matt Ishbia has been on record saying he cares more about getting the TV or, or getting the games to people to be able to watch than he cares about money. He's shown that with his trades. He's showing it in the way uh, that he's dealing with television rights. Uh, I, I don't know how much of this is new owner type syndrome, how long he's going to be operating like this. But for now, for now, he's wheeling and dealing in Phoenix. Um, but I don't expect it. It doesn't sound like uh, the Spurs are going to be doing that anytime soon, at least. Like I said, I haven't heard anything in the last two months. We as the local media haven't received any sort of updates uh, what the television situation is going to look like. Um, unfortunately, this is going back to the dumb blackout thing. Um, the league pass is not going to be an option if you live in Austin because of blackouts. You're not going to, Austin is technically in the Spurs market, so you're not going to be able to do that. VPNs. I kind of know what they do. I don't have one. I've never dealt with one. I am hardly the expert on this, but it is my understanding that you can basically change your location to anywhere in the world, allowing you to watch different things. So I guess technically, um, I might turn it over to Bruno if he knows anything about this, but I guess technically, if you live in Austin, um, I guess you can watch uh, Spurs. I, and I guess avoid the blackouts if you have a VPN. When I lived overseas, uh, international NBA League Pass was um, always much better uh, than uh, the domestic version for whatever reason. You had all the games, no worries about, worries about back at blackouts, and I think just just worked better in general. So interesting. Um, you can you can use your VPN to purchase that and just kind of uh, put put your you know ping ping yourself in tai, Taiwan or Venezuela. Um, if that's something that, uh, you can, this is all kind of like talking about magic right now to where I don't actually know what's, what's physically possible with, with basic technology, but, um, some combination of that seems like maybe, uh, the good path forward, but more advisable than the, the dodgy, uh, websites that I have to find myself on and, uh, closing a million pop-up windows and probably just, um, uh, capitulating to, uh, you know, the, the people that are stealing my identity through, through malware. Yeah. But you got to watch the game. So you deal with sure, it. Yeah. I can, oh, yeah. they can take my identity. I'll, I'll find another one. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm actually this is not necessarily Spurs or basketball related, um, but I miss YouTube TV. I had YouTube TV before they kicked Bally from the service, and I really enjoyed it. And um, I know it's gotten a lot more expensive now. Uh, YouTube TV is damn near as expensive as cable these days. But like, 
I just, I miss YouTube TV. This is just an aside. I wish I didn't have to change back to cable so that I could watch Spurs games that I was not covering or in attendance for. So, um, feel your pain, Brian. Uh, I guess your options are to, uh, pay for the Bally streaming service or, uh, join Bruno in, um, you know, going to the dark web or buying a league pass, plugging in your VPN and, and go into town from Austin, even though it says you're in like Singapore. Um, I'd, I'd try that or just wait, you know, Spurs will be in Austin soon anyway. And then no more blackouts. <laughs> All right. We'll move on from that discussion. Um, this one is from Andrew Lyons. And by the way, I, I hope we helped Brian. Uh, we were kind of all over the place, but I, I hope we helped. Um, this question is from Andrew Lyons. Do you think the Spurs need to add an additional experienced big man to protect Wemby from unnecessary pounding this year? Zach Collins is currently the only player on the roster with both the size and experience to fit that bill. I feel like they need a little insurance in case he goes out for any length of time. Um, so first of all, I, I, I don't know, Andrew... If you forgot about Charles Bassey or you're assuming that he won't be back in time for the in, uh, from his injury um, uh, from last season, I do want to just say that he is expected to be back. Um, haven't heard anything official, but his whole recovery process is doing well. So we are looking at a, a Collins and uh, Charles Bassey front court. It's a pretty solid one-two punch in terms of guys who can help uh, protect Wemby as you bring up. And Kem Birch is on the roster. I don't have a lot of faith that he will be still on the roster on opening night. Um, but I do, I do think that it's worth asking the question because as of right now, two guys in Collins and Bassey who have both in the last several years had health issues. Now, I really don't want to put any sort of bad voodoo on Collins because he's been extremely healthy since returning from injury in February, I believe, February of 2022. He's been remarkably healthy. He's looked great, so I don't I don't want to put any uh negative energy on that. But do you sort of see where Andrew's coming from here in terms of wanting some experience in the front court alongside Wemby, or are you of the mindset? And I think it's a, a reasonable one. If, if anyone has this mindset, Collins and Bassey is, is, you know, that combo is fine because you actually expect Wembenyama to potentially play some small ball five this year, maybe against, teams that don't have like the Jonas Valanciunas of the world or the Steven Adamses of the world. Um, where are you on the Spurs front court rotation at this point? Yeah, I, I think to address the, the, I think the, the more immediate kind of topic in there, it's whether we're going to like see Wemby exposed to the kind of pounding that nobody in the front office wants. Right. And I think, right. I think that, that at first and foremost, the team is going to avoid that, like wh whatever that means. So whether that's Collins, um, uh, Bassey playing or, um, Sohan or Mamu switching on to the bigs. Um, I, I don't, I don't assume, I think the Spurs are going to do everything so that we're not seeing, uh, you know, Wemby have to take on any sort of heavy dose of, um, 
uh, your Embiid's, your, your Valanciunas, or God forbid, your, your Kenny Lofton Jr.'s in the post. Uh, nobody, nobody wants to see that in San Antonio, I imagine. Um, so I think in that sense, the, 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 it, they're probably covered. But you know, to the point of whether you're, the team should be satisfied with the, you know, the front court rotation, I think is, is, is a different um, but also valid question. Um, you know, whether that's Collins' health or you feel like Bassey is still kind of coming together as far as, you know, um, sh- sh- developing as like, you know, a proper NBA quality rotation big. Um, we're, we're still seeing that. And, and also whether the, the fit is right next to Wembenyama. So I think that, that I feel like the situation on a broader sense will be fluid, but um, I don't I wouldn't really worry about how that would affect, you know, the, the, the physical toll that it takes on 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 poor Wemby in year one. Yeah, they're not going to they're not going to do anything to jeopardize any little tiny bit of his career. I think they're in a, a pretty good place, like you said. Uh, it's probably gonna be fluid and Hey, listen, man, even if like, like, let's say Kim Birch doesn't make the roster and it's just, uh, Collins, Bassey and Wemby as the tallest dudes on the roster. We, we know that somewhere out there, Gorgie Jang is on standby. So if it ever, if it ever gets to that point, um, I think he's on standby. I'm saying that having zero knowledge of whether or not he's, he's (laughs) signed with, another NBA team or retired or anything of that nature. So I'm just kind of speaking out of my, my bleep, but um, it doesn't right? matter. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? Regardless, regardless, he's on standby, regardless, even if he's on another team, even if he's retired, he's on standby. Gorgie Jing is always going to be around. So I, I, I do think that the Spurs are going to be okay in that front court. There, there is a button or a phone in Spurs HQ, and you you hit the button, it lights a beam, and Gorgie shows up. That's that's, and I think I just googled. I don't, I, I don't think he's on an NBA roster, so um, yeah, uh, I think um, I would not be surprised if they have his uh, his number on speed dial, like actually, <laughs> and and he'll be there within five minutes, and you know, yeah. It. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you for the question, Andrew. Moving on, uh, this one's from David. Uh, is it normal for our guys to have been in the gym all together consistently for a month so far? Seems like I've seen every returning player minus Doug in the vids and photos that the Spurs put out. Are they just publicizing it more? Or are these dudes just putting in work this summer? So I think there's sort of a trend. First of all, over the last couple of years, especially of the Spurs have really gotten young um, no, they've been, they've been working in San Antonio, uh, regularly throughout the last several summer times. It's always been a thing in San Antonio, but, but I think one trend that you see in the NBA is when teams are really young, you know, this might be before they're married or have a family or whatever the case might be. Um, or especially if they were drafted by the Spurs and they're coming up with the team and like they don't have homes in other states and and things like that. Typically with the younger teams, you're going to see these guys in the gym together. It's, it's when uh, it's when you have the more veteran teams who have potentially been come in from different places or um, have reasons to leave the state or reasons to leave the country uh, that's when you're going to start seeing maybe more 
maybe the team outings and, and or, or I should say team practices, none of this stuff is formal, by the way. This is all like open gym. They're not legally able to formally practice. So I think what you're seeing is just a bunch of young dudes who don't have or who aren't really tied up in a lot of other stuff who really do want to put in work this summer. And they're just in the gym together. Um, and I, I kind of just think it's as simple as that. And yeah, it's it's been it's been normalcy um, in San Antonio over the last couple of years. These guys enjoy playing with one another. They enjoy working out together. So um, I, and I do think that it translates and how could it not uh, translate to a better rapport with one another? Um, obviously, it, it, we, we saw some evidence of it last season, but considering um, how little these guys really got to share the court with one another, considering all the injuries, all the rest days, all the weird rotations, like it didn't necessarily translate on the court at times, but uh, I do think this stuff goes a long way, right? I mean, how can it not? It goes a long way in um, into team building, into roster building, and just gaining familiarity with one another. Yeah, it's all positive stuff. Um, probably not entirely out of the norm, but you know, they're they're young. They uh, they want to get better. They they know that um, they they've still got all ways to improve every off season. Um, and they like basketball. So, you know, that's, that's what they're doing. And they're, they're zoomers. So they're going to, they're going to, they're going to put it on IG. So we're, we're going to see more often than, uh, maybe we did with Spurs past, uh, Tim, Timmy wasn't, uh, wasn't, uh, doing too much of that. Yeah. This is a, this is a new look from the, from the Spurs organization, uh, bunch of zoomers who love basketball and will put it on IG live. It's, it's a, 2023 is in a lot of ways a great time to be alive and yeah uh, and and in the case of jeremy so they will they will wreck you in uh in their uh, ig story if you if you try and troll them jeremy's having a summer man he really is having a summer it's it's been fun to watch and uh we're not going to get to it today maybe we'll try to tackle it soon but uh brian kabralski of usa today actually had a chance to talk to uh Actually, what, did you read it at all? Did you read the the Q and A at all? I read it. I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, then maybe we can't talk about it for a second. I thought that there was some interesting stuff in there, um, and not anything that I'm or we are entirely surprised by. I'm sure, like the idea that um, Jeremy's going to have the ball in his hands more this year. He said, uh, which certainly raises my antenna uh, because I want to see what it looks like with an improved Jeremy Sohan facilitating. Um, we, uh, he, he talked about the idea that again, and we heard this last year from the Spurs at media day and before the season that this was going to be the case, but it's going to be a lot of like, whoever grabs the rebound is going to take the ball and go not necessarily like grab the board here. Here you go, Trey, like go set us up in the offense. They have guys who can all handle the ball and get, uh, get the teammates, get the rest of their teammates into the flow of things. Uh, we saw him talk about the, the stress um, that the team is putting on defense this year, which is uh, going to be a welcomed idea for, for Spurs fans, I think. And then we saw or heard that um, Wemby's decision to dye his hair earlier this summer was not influenced by Jeremy Sohan, that it was entirely on Victor Wembanyama. It was his decision and his decision alone. So, I don't know what stood out to you most about the article, Bruno. 
Yeah, I know. It's good to hear him sort of, yeah, affirm that he's going to be doing more of that ball handling, uh, not immediately stepping away from it. Um, there's still a lot to improve in that and, and to, to make it, um, you know, show that it's it's a role he can excel at. Um, I, I enjoyed uh, the, the last question that just asked um, if he's still shooting free throws one handed to which he said, oh. yep, yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, it works. Um, don't know if I'm going to keep doing it forever, but, uh, you know, still still doing it now, which, um, you know, you really appreciate. Uh, somebody who's just not uh, taking themselves too seriously. You know, there's there's a lot of people that might be embarrassed on the professional st- stage. You know, you know, in front of twenty thousand people on live, uh, yep. you know, national TV, and 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 doing something that's so uh, unorthodox. But um, it's obviously worked for him so well. So I think he shot what like seventy six percent or something uh, one handed. Um, yep. So uh, well above lots of. Uh, two-handed shooters in the NBA for sure. And, um, you know, it's what you really appreciate of, of, of Sohan as, as far as, you know, somebody who puts uh, ego aside um, while being such a funny character and an interesting person uh, in general. So the, the, the vibes are always great with him and you look forward to seeing how that, that meshes with, with Victor and everybody uh, next year and, and moving forward. Yeah, I, you look, I mean, there's understandably a ton of hype around Wemby, um, but I think we're... I'm I'm really looking forward to covering uh, Jeremy this year. I just think it could be a this could be a really fun season to be around this team in a lot of different ways. Uh, Jeremy's great, been a ton of fun on social media this year. It was cool seeing this Q and A. If you want to read it, um, I retweeted it. Uh, my Twitter handle, if you don't follow me already, is at Matthew underscore Tynan. Our X handle, that sounds so dumb. I just, it's always going to be Twitter to me. But, uh, but yeah, if you want to check that out, uh, Brian Kabrowski with For the Win uh, for USA Today. Check it out. Good Q&A. All right. Two more questions, I think. Yeah, two more, two more questions. And we'll get out of here. Um, Bruno, let's put our money on this. Let's uh, not our figurative money on this. Um, who's out? Who's in? Like once the regular season starts, the Spurs have to cut down three players from the roster. You said you wrote down three players. Um, who are those three players that will not be on the Spurs roster come the end of training camp? So my three, as I pull them up, uh, <clears throat> I'll just run through them. Uh, I went with Chetty Osman, Cameron Payne, Ken Birch were my three. And I'm curious okay. uh, as to yours. I'm happy to kind of, I don't really, have didn't really think enough of it to it to where I can touch on the logic, but uh, those are the ones that stood out as either players who were either um, afterthoughts kind of last season coming into this one in the case of Ken Birch, um, uh, unfortunately due to injury as well. Um, but Chetty Osman, I think Cameron Payne both came like as part of deals in which the Spurs did um, acquire some level of asset as well. So um, I could see them as having been transactions that were not necessarily for the player in the first place. So, Mine is almost the same except for one player. Uh, I do have Campaign and Kim Birch being out, but I have Reggie Bullock instead of Osman. And it was tough between those two, but the logic behind that that one for me is kind of what you just talked about. Chetty Osman was the first move they made in free agency. Um, got a second round uh, got a second round or, or only had to get rid of a second round pick for it. Um, and the Reggie Bullock didn't uh, trade didn't come for several more days. And I kind of wonder if there was a priority there. I also just think that Osman is a very Spursy player. 
I'm not saying that Reggie Bullock isn't necessarily like we know historically how much the Spurs have valued those like real three and D guys. And despite kind of an underwhelming season last year for Bullock, he is a good defender and he can, he has his, his stretches where he shoots very well from three. Um, it's, it's in my eyes, it's kind of a toss up between those guys, but there's a certain, like when you talk about the roster building strategy for the Spurs, the last several years, especially under Brian, Wright, They've really stressed the idea of versatility. And I just think that Osman can do more on the court than, than Bullock can, um, passing, shooting, um, a little bit of ball handling, I think he's a better defender than people give him credit for. He's got a little more size. Um, I, I just kind of went like if there's a coin flip involved, I'm going to look at the guy who's either more versatile or who if he's an international player, because we we know how much the, the Spurs value those guys. So I'm going to go with uh, Bullock being the guy that gets cut alongside campaign and Kim Birch. And I, I have. Osman being kept. So we'll see. Um, I figured our answers would probably be similar there. So yeah. there's not, there's not much to choose from really. We will see. Yeah. Maybe a bit of North Carolina bias for me sticking by Bullock, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, I forgot months. about that. Forgot about that. Go, that makes sense. Go, go, go heels. <laughs> F Duke. Move on. Go heels. F Duke. Um, yeah. Sounds great. All right. Uh, let, all right, last one. This is from uh, Mark. I'm sorry, that last question was from Terrence. Sorry, I don't think I said that. Um, final question, and then, like I said, we're out of here. Uh, from Marcus Garcia, what would be considered a successful season in your eyes, Bruno Passos? Uh, so I think three things. Um, you, you obviously want a healthy Victor Webanyama. Uh, you don't sure. want anything uh, c- catastrophic to happen to him one way or another. Um, you sort of want to see the affirmation that he can have, um, you know, a significant impact on the team, um, whatever bar uh, threshold that is for you, if that's pure wins or just, you know, with the passing the eye test, you want to see a bit of that, um, you know, uh, generational possibility talent um, on display for however many games that is, however they decide it, um, I think you know whether whether he actually takes Rookie of the Year um, is, is is secondary. Um, but you want to see a, a bit of that to 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 feel you know as as good as you can about the future around him moving forward. Because part three, I think, is um, I think we alluded to it as you know evaluation of the rest of the roster. Um, and seeing, um, you know, not only, um, you know, leaps in a lot of those guys, but just really a good understanding of how that roster now fits around Victor Wembanyama, um, whether it is um, someone like Vassell finding that, that chemistry with him, uh, feeling good about how Sohan and him share the floor, which is, you know, it's going to be interesting because of spacing and, and, and um, Sohan's kind of better fit on the as at, at the four and Wemby's pre- pre- preference at the four, you know, there's a few interesting things there, um, but just, you know, top, top to bottom, how the roster now makes sense around Victor Wembanyama, And I think that's going to happen for sure. Um, and hopefully you're, you're feeling good about the guys you have, but if not, you know, kind of what, what to do um, with everybody after this season. So those, those would probably be my three things. How about you? Yeah. You know, I think Marcus was probably looking for like a win total, but like, I just don't care about that. Um, and I don't yeah. think the Spurs really do either. Like maybe there's a situation where 
they get off to a great start and they're looking like last season's Utah Jazz, like they're really pushing for a playoff spot. Obviously, the Jazz sort of entered tank mode because they, you know, intelligently understood that uh, they weren't going to compete if they made the playoffs and they traded some guys. They started sitting guys down the stretch and they, they kind of uh, threw in the towel. But like, I think that if the Spurs find themselves in a situation where they are having a lot of success over the first half of the season or whatever, like maybe we're going to start seeing them push for a play in or a playoff spot, whatever it might be. I don't really think that that's going to happen, but if, it, if that scenario does unfold, I could see them actually caring, caring, really caring about wins. But I think that the measurement of success is going to be somewhat similar to last year. Um, in terms of the fact, like it's going to be more subjective than it's going to be empirical, right? Everything that you just mentioned, like all of that, you want to see those types of improvements. And then I think you might see, uh, maybe they're going to have goals like, okay, they were just atrocious defensively last year. Like as bad as it gets worse in the league type stuff. Do they want to see like, Hey, let's be a, let's be a top 20 defense this season or a top 15 defense, something like that. Let's be a, a top 10 offense, like kind of set some markers um, maybe um, in terms of where they might want to see themselves finish. Although if they do, like if they finish high enough, <laughs> then they're, you would think that they'll just automatically be in like play in contention. So I'm not even sure if that's the case, but yeah, I just, I think pop said last year. And again, this, this is all very subjective, but pop's quote last year was, when he was asked, you know, how did you ask this question last year at media day? You might have, I can't remember, but um, yeah. how would you define success? Like how would, how do you, what's the barometer for success going forward? And basically his answer was, we just want to see development. And I don't think that that's going to change too much. Um, there will absolutely be more stress on game night performances on how, well they defend on how well they execute uh we'll see how patient pop is going to be this year but like now that they have Wembenyama and now that they're truly trying to figure out who's going to be around him who's going to make this team going forward like there is a lot of pressure to execute to play well um the you know the idea that we just don't care about wins we're going to mess with a bunch of different rotations. We're going to try different stuff. Like I think that's going to be tightened up this year for sure. But I still just, um, I still just don't think that the win total, uh, matters all that much. Like if they win 25 games, I don't think it's going to be like demonstrably more disappointing or like uh, so much more disappointing than if they won 30 games, like a five game difference, who cares? I think, you're going to run into some problems if you start seeing like, uh Oh, the Spurs are in the running for one of the top picks again. Um, like that would be bad. Um, if they're in the running for a play in like, that would be great. I just don't think that sort of middle ground or some exact number in between is really going to matter all that much. You just, you want to see marketing market improvement across the board in so many different facets of the game, shooting better, fewer turnovers, uh, better execution on defense. Don't give up 125 points every single night. It's going to be trying to identify how well 
players are fitting with one another and around Wembanyama. Um, you want to see the leaps from from a lot of these young guys. So it'll be subjective, uh, but I'll just play along for a second. If they if they beat their Vegas win total, successful season. How does that sound? If they if they hit the thirty game mark, that sounds good to me, right? Yeah, that feels like a good shorthand that has a few of the other considerations baked in. Yeah, sure, good way to, sure. good way to mon- uh, put a number to it. All right, well, Bruno, thank you for joining me again. Um, we went longer, as always, than anticipated, even though we were talking a little bit in the break, so I'm just going to use that as an excuse. But I appreciate you taking the time to come on, um, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about FIBA next time now that the games are starting to be uh, a little bit more important. Yes. No, I do uh, expect to catch some games uh, eventually before the tournament is over, but yeah, no, always good to uh, hop on here and chat and uh, I'm sure we'll speak soon and I'll catch everyone else on the dark web. Look out for Bruno. Find a uh, find, uh, find Brian Kratz. Uh, Brian, if you're looking for help, locate Bruno on the dark web. All right. This has been small market bias. Brought to you by Bet Online. We will talk to you all next time. You can bring a